Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of music. God, the opportunity that you've given us to today to even to hear your word be read and God, to sing praises to you and to consider and contemplate even our own lives. God, that we might uh, live a life of generosity. And God, doing so that, uh, that it might please you. And certainly, uh, Father, uh, we'd be careful to thank you for how you'll bless during this time. God, that you'll use your word to not only to encourage us, but certainly, Lord, to challenge us. That we might go away from this place more eager uh, to really to live our lives in a way that draws people to you. And God, we'll be careful to give you the praise for what you'll do. And we pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior and for his sake. Amen. When you think about it, this idea of generosity, if we consider it all, generosity is truly, it's truly at the heart of the gospel. Does anybody, anybody see that, that generosity is truly at the heart of the gospel? In fact, if you look in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, for God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting Life. Listen, it's truly the heart of the gospel. You think about Jesus. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9, that although he was rich, he became poor for you and for me. Not that, not that he had any ulterior motive. He became poor. He laid down his royal robes, if you please, so that you and I might be rich through our life, through our eternal life that uh, we have in him. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4. The Bible says here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Over and over and over we see that generosity is connected with the gospel. In the book of Romans in chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, the Bible says, What shall we then say to these things, question mark, if God be for us, who can be against us? Can you say amen to that? If God's for us, who can be against us? Listen, I want you to know on the outset today, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be encouraged today because as we walk, as we walk out this edifice, as we get in our cars and we hit the road, I can assure you there are going to be very few people who actually care for you. But I know one who cares for you. And he tells us in the midst of our hurting, he tells us in the midst of our struggle to cast our care on him because he actually cares for us. Listen, in the book of Romans, it continues, says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Notice verse 32, because here's the, the connection. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us how many things? I love that. And if he's going to give us all things, I'm just... Crazy enough to believe that he wants me to share some of that with other people. You say, uh-oh, is this a message on communism and socialism? No. It's not a message on communism or socialism. It's a message that we would be generous with those things that God has blessed us with. Listen, Scripture reveals that God loved us. He gave him his son for us, and he did so out of his generosity. His mercy and His grace are also the marks of a generous God. In the passage that Travis read, in verse number 10, 
It reminds us that we are recipients of God's generosity. And as recipients of his generosity, notice it says this. It says that we should minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace. And although we see this word steward, everybody's gotten real, real quiet. Like, uh uh-oh. Oh, here it comes. It's going to be a message on stewardship. And by the way, if you're visiting with us uh, today, I can tell you it's the first time that I've taught anything remotely close to stewardship in the last year. I know that when people visit churches, if it's the first time they visited or the first time they're trying to make a connection with Jesus, it's, it's crazy. They come to church and the pastor's talking about being generous. They're like, uh-oh, he's coming for me. No, that's not the point of the message. The point of the message is that we would see that God is generous And that his generosity might spark just a tad, a little flame, a little ember inside of us that we too might catch the hint. Listen, it's not my desire to discuss our responsibilities as stewards, but it's my desire to declare the opportunity that you and I have to be generous. In fact, in Genesis 1-1, it all started right there, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A generous God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, Psalm 24, in verse number 1, the Bible says the earth is whose? That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. You mean it doesn't belong to me? You mean it's not mine? You mean that I'm not over this piece of property that I bought? You mean that I don't own the cattle on a thousand hills? No, sir, no, ma'am, you don't. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Notice it goes on. It says not only the fullness thereof, it kind of gives you an indication of what it's talking about. It says the world, and here's the conundrum, and they that dwell therein. Who dwells in the world? Me. All of us, we dwell in this beautiful world that God has created. You see, in everything, everything we see belongs to God. Thank you, one person. (laughs) Everything that we see belongs to God. It's like, look, I know where you're going with this whole generosity thing. Get on with it. It's time to go to lunch. Listen, it all belongs to God. And if he's the owner, and if we really do a study of stewardship, it, it, it speaks of the fact that you and I are simply the managers of everything that God has anyway. And so if he's the owner and we are the managers or steward, then you're probably asking yourself the question, How are you going to connect generosity, being generous, with this idea of being a good steward? Well, it's really simple if you think about it because the word steward, if you were to look up the word steward, it actually means to watch over, to care for, and to manage whatever has been entrusted into our care. Sometimes I am entrusted to watch over um, uh, the laundry My wife bestows that honor upon me. Sometimes I'm bestowed with the honor of overseeing the the laundry and caring for. A job that I really screwed up years ago when we first got married. Many of you know the story uh, that when Krista and I were first married, we were living in a little one-bedroom apartment down in Richmond, Virginia. And she had a beautiful gray and white wool sweater. And I thought I was doing a really good job. I washed that wool sweater, and I put that puppy in the dryer. And that thing came out looking like it would fit on my little puppy dog now. I stretched, and I pulled that thing up, 
and I did what all you men would do, so don't laugh. I folded it up and I put it real high in the back corner of the closet in hopes that my little short wife would never find it. She found it. She found it. <laughs> Life is a blast. I remember when she asked me, have, this is years ago. She says, have you seen my sweater? Uh, which sweater are you talking about? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, I knew what sweater she was talking about. Listen, sometimes we're given the ability to manage or to care or to watch for things. And in God's eyes, he's actually given us some things. He's given us some abilities. Everyone in this room has an ability that you can use for the Lord. If you're sitting there and you say, well, the reason I don't sing is because I can't sing. Well, can you greet somebody? If you say, well, I don't greet because I'm an introvert. Well, you can actually stand outside and hold a sign that says Jesus loves you. I, I will not make you say a word, right? Uh, there's something that everybody can do. You see, he's entrusted with abilities. He's also entrusted us with this beautiful little thing we like to call time. And yet it keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. <laughs> now some of you know how old I am. <laughs> and here's where it's going to get really, really quiet. He is also entrusted into our care. I don't really have very much. My wife never lets me hold on to it. Those little things that are green and white or coin, it's called finances. He entrusts our abilities, our time and our finances, and on and on we could go. He entrusts to us the very breath of life, and he says, what are you doing with it? He entrusts his word to us. What are we doing? We could, this message could go on and on for days and days. But as stewards, the question is, we are to be using these resources that, one, promote the Lord, but also bring him honor and glory. Why? Oh, it's so incredibly important. But the idea of generosity actually takes it a step further. See, stewardship says that we're to watch over, we're to care for these things. But generosity actually speaks or refers to the way in which we manage those resources. Are we stingy with them or are we uh, generous with them? Someone has put it this way. They said, we're to be conduits of God's gifts, not cul-de-sacs. You get that? Supposed to be conduits. We're supposed to be the pipeline, if you please, where his generosity flows in us and through us out to the world around us. That's why we send the gospel all around the world, right? And this is seen in many different shapes and sizes, but it's not to just be used as something that we just continually absorb ourselves. I like what Randy Hart, the communications director for the Baptist Bible Fellowship International, in Springfield, Missouri, said in his article entitled Stewardship, does it mean what you think it means when he stated that God not only wants us to manage our resources, he wants us to maximize our resources. You see, I think what Randy was really trying to say is that God wants us to be generous. He wants us to be generous. But unfortunately, here comes the big unfortunately, Unfortunately, I believe the problem is something that I spoke to you about a couple of years ago when I was teaching on the subject of stewardship, and that's the fact that many people 
uh, in our culture, in our society, in our world, many people suffer from a clinical diagnosis known as cognitive dissonance. Anybody remember when I talked about cognitive dissonance a couple of years ago? Guys, if you'll show it on the screen, you see cognitive dissonance says this. It's the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions or attitude change. So essentially, a cognitive dissonance refers to a person who holds two opposing truths at the same time. And so let me, let me illustrate it for you. On Sunday, when the pastor says that we need to be generous, we're like, amen, amen, I love that generosity. And then Monday through Saturday, we're as stingy as we can be. We, we, right? Sunday, it's like, I love you, Lord. And I'm, thank, you know, and we're so grateful and thankful, and I give myself to you, and I want to give it all away, Lord, and I trust you, I trust you, Lord, to do it right. We sing these songs, and, and I believe we mean them. And so we have generosity according to God's word on Sunday, and then on Monday through Saturday, we have a different mindset that follows the truth according to my word. See, my word supplants God's word on Monday through Saturday. And so it's a very dangerous thing. But the truth of the matter is that generosity struggles. It struggles to flourish in this great old United States of America today. You say, well, that's not true. People are given to causes all around the world. Well, that's great. Could we do more? Could we serve the Lord? Could we use our abilities for the Lord in a greater capacity? I think we could. Sadly, though, for some, generosity, being generous, is not even a thing on Sundays. There are some people who will, who will hear a message or be told about generosity, and it's like, listen, I'm not going to be generous, so you can breathe out all the fire you want, but generosity is not in my vocabulary. Years ago, it was pastor and teacher and author, Dr. Adrian Rogers from the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He said these words. He said, everything we truly believe, everything we, truly believe we obey. He went on to say this. He said, everything else is just religious talk. You see, in reality, if we're not practicing generosity, the chances are that we are living selfishly. So today, I just want to simply share three thoughts on generosity, and I'll try to be very, very quick. Number one, let's be generous with our abilities. Let's be generous with our abilities. As our verse said, every man hath received the gift. So beyond receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, every person in the church has been gifted with an ability, even if it's just one. Even if you just have one. And you say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Have you ever searched for it? Have you ever asked God to reveal it to you? Oh, we all have gifts and abilities that we can use for the Lord. We're to use them generously. In Romans chapter 12, let me read to you what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5 and following, it says, So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, which re reminds us that the gifts that we have are given to us. They're not our own. It's not some type of a natural ability that God has given us. He may use that ability, but he comes along supernaturally and gives us this gift. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, 
or ministry, there's a lot of ways that we can minister to one another, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth or encourage uh, on ex exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Listen, we can be generous with these things. Think about what Paul wrote to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 6. In verse number 10, he said, listen, as we therefore have opportunity, that's what I'm talking to you about today, the opportunity to be generous. He says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do what? Good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Listen, we've all been created and equipped by God with unique personalities, with uh, physical attributes and certain capabilities to accomplish the various ministries of the Lord's church. And the reality is, some people may be saying, I don't even know why I'm at Battlefield Baptist Church. The reality is that God has brought us all together for such a time as this. He's brought us all from different, different corners of the world, different backgrounds, culturally speaking, you know, and he's put us together to accomplish his desire in the church. Listen, we're to serve the Lord and serve one another. In fact, I like what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. They were having some trouble with division. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse number 14, the Bible says this. It says, for the body is not one member, but many. Not one member, but many. And if you read on in that passage, you drop down to verse 21 and 22. It's kind of a how dare you statement in scripture. Notice what the Bible says. It says, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more. Those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Every member of the church is essential. Say that. Essential. Say essential. Man, I feel like I'm in grade school again. Say essential, right? We are all essential. We are all necessary in God's eyes or he wouldn't have brought us together. He wouldn't have brought us together. Listen, I like what Charles Stanley said in his recent article. If some of you get emails from him, he wrote an article recently that said, an independent spirit wreaks havoc in a church. And he said these words, he said, When some members choose not to use their spiritual gifts, whether through feelings of inadequacy, indifference, or otherwise, notice what he says. He says, the church as a whole is robbed of what God has placed them there to contribute. And the result is a partially paralyzed body of believers. Oh, we must be using our abilities for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Folks, we've been bought with a price, Paul said. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, he says, You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And what does he say? Which are whose? Remember, the earth is who? The Lord's and the fullness thereof. Even our bodies and our spirits which belong to the Lord. They all belong to God. Listen, he says, use them. Generosity is what leads to a fully functional church. Listen, without somebody in the nursery today, we're in trouble. Without somebody teaching our children today, we're in trouble tomorrow. We're not only in trouble tomorrow, we're in trouble today. 
If we're not teaching our children the word of God, who's going to teach them? If we're not teaching our young people the word of God and asking and answering tough questions. Travis was sharing just a couple of the tough questions that these young people are asking about God and and their spiritual walk. If we're not willing to get into the the thick of it and talk with them about it, who's going to teach them? That's why we need people to step up and use their abilities. Listen, we need people in the music and media ministry. We need people, upward basketball does not run without people using their ability. And some of you said when we asked you to support upward basketball, you're like, I don't even know how to play basketball. You're who we're looking for. You're like, I don't know how to coach basketball. Hey, we'll give you a book, kind of a, what, is, what are those books they sell? Uh, how, how to coach, oh yeah, coaching for dummies. Right? All the Lord really wants is a willing heart. Oh, he can do so much with somebody who's willing to give themselves to God and use their abilities in a way that brings him honor and brings him glory. Listen, first impressions team, adult ministry. Listen, you say, I can't do anything else. Can you just be a helper? What does that mean? What's he asking me to do? Just be a helper. Like, can can you help us? We got, we got ladies that come up here and do the decorating because I can't, right? They, they do a much better job, of, and it's crazy to me. They'll call, in, they'll call me and they'll say, Pastor, what do you think? Well, I don't know because I'm not the best decorator. You guys do a great job. It doesn't matter what we do. Listen, the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I being generous with the abilities that God has given me? Because Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us this. It says, let your light so shine before men. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Are we letting our light shine? It says, and so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen, we need to be generous with our abilities. We also need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous with our time. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 and 2, those first two verses of Ecclesiastes 3, we see that God designed and created you and I with time in mind. In fact, verse 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born. And a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up which is planted. And on and on it goes, all the way through verse number 11 in that passage. I think about David, who was a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 35, in verse number 1, he recognized that his time was actually in the Lord's hands. He, said, he, he actually, if you go there, he understood that his time, his brevity of life was in the Lord's hands. Our time is a limited resource here and then it vanishes away the Bible says it's a limited resource which is why in fact at Anita uh, Lamb's dad's service I even quoted what Moses prayed in Psalm 90 in verse number 12 when he said these words he said Lord teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom you can find that in Psalm 90 verse 12 in Job chapter 7 verse 1 Job actually asks and answers himself the question when he says this. He says, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? And are not his days also like the days of a hireling? That word hireling means a hired servant. Are not our days like a hired servant? And you can read a parable about the hired servant, 
right? Over in the New Testament, you hire the servant in the morning, and at the end of the day, the job is done, you pay the servant, and you're done. This is what Job contemplates. Listen, the point is that we've all been given a certain amount of time to make the most of life. And I want to encourage you to resolve, resolve in your heart, resolve in your life to make good use, to be generous of your time. By the way, I did some research this week. It will surprise you to know that I did some research. And, uh, why are you laughing? I did, some, <laughs> I did some research. And doing this study, I found that every one of us in this room and those that are listening on our podcast, I found that all of us are given the same amount of time each day. I looked. I was trying to find out if I could get an extra couple of minutes here, there, a couple of hours extra. But what I found is that every one of us is given 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, or 86,400 seconds. The question is, how are we using them? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 through 17, the Bible says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but here's what I want you to see today is but understanding what the will of the Lord is. William Penn stated that time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. I believe the Lord's will, if I'm going to understand what the will of the Lord is, I, I can tell you I believe the Lord's will is that all of us be wise with our time. I believe his desire is that we not waste our time because life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and vanishes away, and so we have, to be, we have to be smart with our time. But I also believe that he wants us to be generous. I get people that call me that never have attended Battlefield Baptist Church at all, and sometimes they will tell me on the phone, they say, man, I appreciate you taking your time. We, we, we don't even attend your church. So? So What? I want to be generous. If I can be a blessing to you, I want to be a blessing to you. It doesn't matter whether you come and you sit down on a pew at Battlefield Baptist Church or not. This, and listen, this ought to point toward Jesus. This is not a point towards me or myself. The point is that God has given me only so much time. And as an almost 53-year-old man, I'm looking at time. I'm looking at time and seeing that I have less in front of me than behind me. I wish I had a whole lot of time in front of me. Because there's a whole lot of things that I need to correct, right? Because I hadn't always done everything just perfect. Anybody in here perfect? This is a church for not perfect people. No one in this room, nobody listening is perfect. There's only one who is perfect, and his name is Jesus. When he gave himself for you and for me, so that we would never have to enter a horrible, horrible place called hell. Oh, we need to be generous with our time. The Bible says here in verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, the, the implication there is that you and I need to buy up the time that others waste. There's a lot of people who will waste time. Let's you and I buy it up. We not only need to buy it up, we need to seize up the opportunities that God gives us. We need to use up the time that we're given wisely. How much time? Let me ask a kind of a pointed question. When it comes to generosity, how much time are we using to develop our walk with the Lord? How much time do we set aside for prayer? How much time do we set aside to read God's Word? How much time do we set aside not only just to read it and heed it, but to study God's Word? To ask ourselves the tough questions. 
what we can find in Scripture. How much time do we, do we, do we spend developing, you know, not only these aspects of our life, but how much time do we spend developing the opportunity to share the love of Christ with others? How much time do we devote to practicing generosity? Again, I bring to your attention Matthew 5, 16, right? This is let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oh, listen, how we spend our time truly reveals what's important to us. Are we selfish or are we generous? And I'm not saying today that you need to get busier. I heard preachers for years and years say, you need to get busy doing something for Jesus. No, we just need to use our time better. We need to use our time better. We need to serve the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And when I talk about serving, guys, it's because we love the Lord that we serve the Lord. It's not because he's up there going to beat us down if we don't do something. Listen, the opportunity is so great. Oh, listen, we got to get better. We need to resolve to use better, make better use of our time. It's been said that time is one of God's greatest gifts to us. And what we do with it is our gift to him. Let's be generous with our abilities and our time. And then I'm going to suggest to you something that is probably going to bring this message to a screeching halt. Let's be generous with our financial resources as well. Oh, here he comes. I knew I was in a Baptist church. I'm going to talk about money. I, I dare you to go over the past five years and see how many times I've actually talked to this congregation about money. Reason, listen, listen, I have no problem talking to us about finances, but what I want you to know is I just trust God. I trust God that he's going to provide for his work, and he does so through generous people. Listen, God, if God is the owner of everything, of everything, which includes the little amount of dollars that he's given me, and I'm simply the manager of it, then this area of generosity is something that I cannot afford, pardon the pun, to miss. I can't afford to miss the opportunity to be generous with my finances if God truly is the owner of everything. Certainly our financial resources are given to us to meet needs that we have, but there's a difference between needs, wants, and desires. We're to meet our needs, but we're also to continue to promote God's interest in his glory. Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 6 by saying these words, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through to steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is... Here's where the rubber meets the road. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Can I tell you, when I was a teenager, my treasure was right here. It's still one of my great treasures. But she comes second to God. If I treasure her more than God, I've got a problem. I've got a problem. If I set her up on the pedestal that only belongs to God, this goes both ways. Ladies, for your husbands, I'm not sure I've ever been close to that pedestal for you, have I? <laughs> right? <laughs> I got a lot of work to do, don't I? Listen, if I set her up to be more important than God, that's sin. I've created her to become an idol. 
But when I was younger and I was in high school, she was the only thing I could think about. And we didn't even have iPhones and, and Samsung phones and texting and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and whatever else. Insta. <laughs> we didn't have those things. You know what we had? We had lockers. And we would write notes and stick them through the slot of the locker. Or her girlfriends would pass me a note in the hallway. What's up? You know? That's how we communicated back then. Circle, yes. Do you like her? Yes, I do. Do you want to go out with my friend? Yes, I do. Do you have money? No, I don't. What do you drive? A moped. <laughs> you guys are like, what's a moped? <laughs> it was either that or my dad's Jeep. <laughs> oh, man. God has been so good to us. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 6 as we round, try to wind this thing up. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I want to read two verses for you, and I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Believe me, I have so much more on this topic, but we don't have time. And so I'm going to give you the short version here. And, uh, but look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, look with me. And the Bible, in beginning in verse number 9, verse number 9, it says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to in, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now look back at verse number 9 and I want to ask you the first question. What is your financial plan? Ask yourself this question. If you're a note taker, write it down so that you can ask yourself tomorrow. Ask yourself, what is my financial plan? And some of you may be saying, I'm still trying to figure it out. I've never thought about a financial plan. I want to suggest to you that the Bible gives us some answers right here in verse number 9 about our financial plan. Look, it says, it, it offers a question right there. It says, but they that will be rich. Stop right there. If your financial plan, if you daydream all day about becoming rich, the Bible says there's a problem with that. If your financial plan is, I'm going to get all I can while I can, and I'm going to use it for me, myself, and I, and I may give a little bit to my kids, that's not what the Bible is encouraging us to do here. Listen, if we daydream about being rich, or do we desire to be generous? Jesus is all our example. Remember, I said at the very beginning of the message in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible says, although he was rich, he took off the royal robes of heaven, and he humbled himself, and became obedient, obedient unto the death for you and for me, so that you and I might be rich through him. This was his desire. This was his idea of generosity. And then question two, look at verse number 10. So ask yourself, what's your financial plan? And then number 10, what are we committed to financially? Notice verse number 10 begins, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Does not say money is evil. It says the love of money. It connects with verse number nine. They that will be rich obviously have a love of money, and that love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the 
the evil. And so I put some questions down as a follow-up. Does our spending... Does our spending match our Lord's values and kingdom priorities? Number two, does our personal budget reflect eternal priorities or is it designed, uh, 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 where are they? I want to make sure I don't offend the Jones family today. Is our priority to, uh, to focused on eternal priorities or are we desiring to keep up with the Joneses? You've heard that saying before. Then here's another question. Do we hoard and hide the finances we're blessed to receive, or are we using God's money to support his church, his work, and others? Remember, not only are we to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind and strength, but we're also to love others. And this comes in many facets. I'm not advocating that you got to go down the neighborhood and buy, here's your, here's your 20, here's your 20. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you see a brother that has need, and all you do, 1 John chapter 3, all we do is say, well, brother, I'm just going to pray for you. Pray that God will meet that need. Ooh. You ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan? The priest and the Levite, they just walk on by. But it was the most unlikely person who stopped and went and helped the guy out of the ditch and carried him down to the dock and told the doctor, said, look, I'm going to come back and whatever, whatever he owes when I come back, not only here's money to keep him going for a couple days, but when I come back, if he has a bill that's greater than what he has right now, then I'll pay that too. That's called generosity. See, he was focused on doing what he could for God's honor. Listen, I can tell you that a person's level of generosity, biblically and financially speaking, and the priorities in their life will be easily detected by paying attention to how and what they spend their money on. The same is true for me. The same is true for me. If you look into my life and I'm not supporting the Lord's work here at Battlefield, I'm not supporting missions, I'm not giving offerings and, and trying to cast my bread upon the water, then how could I ever get up and ask you to do the same? That's crazy talk. That's crazy. Listen, biblically we should be generously supporting the Lord's work. And some of the ways we do that, and I don't have time to break it all down, is something called obedience giving. Obedience giving refers to the tithe that a lot of people say, oh, don't talk about the tithe because that's Old Testament. Uh, well, I got news for you. Jesus not only spoke about the tithe, but he confirms the tithe in the New Testament. You can find that in Matthew chapter 23 and Luke chapter 11. Like, what? What, what, what passage are you talking about? In fact, Matthew 23, 23, show that before we close. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Notice the finish. He says, these ought ye to have done, speaking of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, and not to leave the other undone. He says, you're not, only to, uh, you're not to neglect the tithe, but you're not to neglect these other matters of faith either. Listen, other ways we generously support the Lord's work will be through free will giving. A lot of people give gifts above the tithe. Faith giving. And when I talk about faith giving, we talk about faith promise, supporting our missions. I always tell people, don't operate foolishly, but operate by faith. Sacrificial giving. Giving that leads to give. Sometimes sacrificial giving seems illogical. <laughs> and then some say, I've had some say in the last, oh, 10 years or so, I've had people tell me, well, pastor, I just believe in grace giving. And I'll tell you honestly, it would take too long for me to comment on all of these types of giving that we see or the opportunities to be generous. But I can tell you this, 
that if grace giving were practiced according to its intent, according to its intent, when some people say, hey, I don't believe in tithing, but I believe in grace giving, that's perfect, right? I'm not going to beat you down because I'm not God, I'm just Greg. But I want to encourage you to give biblically. But if you say you operate by grace giving, then I'm telling you, by the intent of your statement, that should be the greatest sign of generosity ever. And it shouldn't, you say, well, what's a tithe? A tithe is a tenth, right? Malachi talks about wherein will a man rob God? You rob me in tithes and offerings in Malachi 3.8 and on and on. And uh, what's interesting is Malachi 3.10 is the only place and it's the only topic that God ever says, try me. It's the only place he ever says, put me to the test. He says, you bring the tithe to the storehouse and see if I don't bless you. But when somebody says, hey, I believe in grace giving, if you really give according to the intent of that statement, it would result in the greatest display of financial generosity of all. But I want you to know this. Please, please, please hear me when I say this. Generosity with our finances is never, ever about quantity or amount. Do you hear me? It's never about quantity or amount. I know it got real quiet because we're talking about finances. But Jesus sat in the treasury. You can read this for yourself. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, the Bible reveals Jesus sat over at the treasury. And this is what he did. As people came to put in, they actually had the chest there. And people, like we used to do, happy birthday Jesus offering. People would come and they would cast their gift into the treasury. And Jesus did one of these. He sat there and he watched them as they came by. And he was looking to see what was going on. And you remember the story. It was the widow. It was the widow. She comes up and she casts in two mites. In today's economy, those two mites would be about a third of a penny. And Jesus tells his disciples, I tell you guys a truth. That she has cast in more than all of these other guys. All of these others that have cast in, they cast in, but she gave of her want. She didn't have it to give. She gave of everything she had, her livelihood. She set the example of generosity is what Jesus was telling his disciples. He was watching them to see their hearts. And folks, I'm telling you right now, listen, this message on abilities and time and finances is not about your uh, giving to Battlefield Baptist Church. It's about the opportunity you and I have, no matter where we are, to honor the Lord and to do what is right biblically. Listen, he was watching then to see where their hearts were, and I believe he still watches us today to see where our hearts are when we sing. I believe he watches us today to see where our hearts are when we read his word, when we pray. He's watching. He wants to see where are our hearts with our abilities, with our time, and with our treasures. In his article, and I close, The Generosity Paradox, J.D. Greer, and current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, makes a bold statement across the board about generosity. Here's what he says. If you are not generous, you have never really experienced the gospel. If you are not generous, you have never really experienced the gospel. He said, if you feel guilty about how little generosity you show then you don't understand the gospel. You see, what he was saying was that it's impossible to really experience and know Jesus Christ without becoming radically generous in response. 
And if we go and we feel guilty about using our abilities, our time, and our finances to support the Lord's work, what he was saying is that most likely we don't understand the magnitude of God's generosity when he sent and gave his only begotten son. Someone has rightly said that we're never more like God than when we give. That's what generosity is all about. Giving. For God so loved the world that he was super generous. He was so super generous that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I close with this. Jesus said to, his, to these Pharisees, you remember in Matthew chapter 12 and 32, he said, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. I'd like to make an application if you'll allow me that leeway today. I would suggest that out of the abundance of the heart our life speaks. Out of the abundance of our heart the life speaks. The question is, am I being generous with my abilities to serve the Lord, His church? In his work. Am I, am I being generous to give my time to support the Lord in his mission? Am I being generous to offer my finances in a biblical way to not only send the gospel out here locally, but to send it out globally all around the world? Folks, no matter where you've been in the past, no matter where you are today, I beg you, consider generosity. May been a, this may be a reminder, and some of you may be saying, man, I'm generous all the time. Great. Continue to be generous. But if you've struggled with generosity this past year or maybe even the beginning of this year, you're like, man, uh, something's not right. I beg you to ask God. Break my heart. God, help me to offer my abilities to your work. Some of you, man, we could use your help. Just going to be honest with you. We could use your help in the ministry here. We've got many outreach opportunities planned for this upcoming year. We've got a lot of things going on here around the facilities that we could use your help with. We've got missions trips that we're looking to take this year, but we need you to give your abilities. We need you to offer your time. And the truth of the matter is, you can say it, but when we send missionaries around the world, the gospel, sending that gospel around the world, it actually costs money. Those missionaries have to pay bills when they go. And so we're privileged to be able to support them. But it's all about generosity. It's not about a look at me or look at what we've done. It's a look at what God can do through us. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.